You know, Lord, we're, we're blessed because we're at your feet, Lord. And, and Lord, just as we worshiped about today, Lord, we, we sung so much about the anticipation of heaven. And, and so much of the anticipation of heaven has given us hope here on earth. So we pray, God, that, that today that you would meet with each one of us, that, that we're really here to connect with you and, and to connect with one another and to receive from you that, that which you want to deliver us through the book of Genesis today. And, and I pray that our hearts really, Lord, would be prepared. You know, your word tells us that we've got to rend our hearts, Lord, and, and to prepare our hearts. And, and we just pray with humility as we stand before the King of Kings and, and the Lord of Lords that we would be in awe of who you are and the very fact that you love us and all that you've done for us. So this is your church, Lord, and we know what your word says, that when two or more are gathered, that you're in the midst. We want to thank you for being here with us, Lord. You're nigh unto us. Some of us need that encouragement. Some of us are just flat out brokenhearted. Some of us just need wisdom and direction. But nevertheless, God, your cry from your spirit is that the church would have an ear to hear. And I pray, God, that we would hear anything that you want to speak into our lives today, that you want us to know, that you want us to know about you, that would transform us and make us more like your son. So thank you that we have your word, Lord. Thank you that your spirit is here to teach it to us. We bless you, Lord. We love you. And we thank you that we're loved by you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Genesis 28. We're cranking through the book of Genesis. Well, I shouldn't say we're cranking. We've been there for a long time. But we're, we're beyond the halfway point. And uh, there's just some wonderful things, some wonderful gold, some wonderful gems to extract from, from the book of Genesis. And uh, we, a lot of times we, we see these characters that we come across that, that can identify so much with us. Um, very similar in nature. Uh, just similar circumstances maybe, and, and we glean from them. We glean wisdom from the right choices they make, and, and, and we really glean warnings from the wrong directions that they make. But, but we've gone through Abraham, uh, a very short portion on Isaac, and now we're coming into contact with this individual that we've seen a little bit in the, in the chapters, but it's going to focus more on him in the next coming chapters, by the name of a guy by the name of Jacob. Okay, now if you remember, these are the patriarchs. Really, I mean, this is how Israel got established. You know, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, part one, part two. Now, now we're into part three here with Jacob. Now, one of the things that we've got to remember about this individual, right out of his mother's womb, he's a heel catcher grabbing his brother's womb. We know, or his heel. Uh, he was a manipulator. All right, he manipulated his brother exploited him in a moment of physical weakness to steal the birthright for him, which gave authority, priesthood, and double inheritance uh, to the son of the family. He took advantage of his father's feebleness and being vision impaired, you know, clothed himself kind of like his brother Esau to actually steal the blessing from his brother. And, and now his brother Esau really has plotted that once my dad dies, that brother of mine is dead. I'm going to kill him. So that's where we're picking up today. Um, verse 1 of chapter 28. 
Now Isaac, now this is the father called Jacob, all right? So Isaac called Jacob. I'm sure there was some dialogue between him and his wife, Rebekah, but he already pronounced the blessing. And really the, tra- the blessing was really the transfer over of the goodness of God uh, on the son that he prayed over. So, so we see here that Isaac called Jacob and he blessed him and he charged him and said unto him, thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Okay, now one of the things that I think we got to look at right off the bat, because sometimes the simple things are the things that God's always calling us back to, all right? People get real big in their study and their theology, and that's all good, man. We should be studying theology and all that, but, but sometimes in our life to have a fruitful life is just the simplistic things of Christianity. And we see off the bat right here, Isaac calls Jacob, blesses him, and charges him and said unto him, thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. You know, the blessings of the father is linked to obedience to his instruction. As simple as that. We see the blessings linked to obedience. All right? And, and, and there's a warning involved there. Now, now you think about it. Many of you maybe, I know I do, I, I try to do the proverb for the day. You know, Proverbs 31, you know, and every day's got, you know, every month except this one has, uh, you know, 30 or 31 days in it. So, you know, what, whatever day today is, today's the 13th, read Proverbs 13, you know. If you read that. But, but here's the thing that I want you to think about. Proverbs <clears throat> Chapter 1, you don't have to turn there. This is, this is what Solomon says. A wise man will hear and will increase in learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. He says this, though, to his son. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Okay? Hear the instruction. We're here today. We read our Bibles to hear the instruction of the father because through the instruction of the father, God is trying to push us down the road of blessing. All right? God's trying to bless. God wants to bless us more than we even want to be blessed. But it's always found on a path of instruction. That's why it's so important for you and I that we would know the Word of God, that we'd be like Bereans, that we would be students of the Scripture. Okay? Because they really do give us the direction of blessing for our life. And, and, and we see here a, a physical picture in Isaac and Jacob, like uh, an eternal spiritual picture of what our Father wants to do to us. The direction of blessing in our lives is found in our Father's Word. We've got to know the Word. Like I said earlier, academic faith needs to be an activated faith. We're not here to accumulate a ton of biblical knowledge to do nothing with it. We're here to take in the Word of God that we might go forth and live it. Saving faith, biblical faith, a learning faith is always designed to become an activated faith. So this is what he's telling them to do. And and you think about it as a father. So often for us as parents, we spend so much time doing what to our children? Warning them. Why do we warn them? Because we love them. It wasn't to keep some form of a blessing because there was nothing going on in Canaan and any of those women that would end up being a blessing to Jacob if he went and married one of them. He says, that's not the direction you go. So as, as, God, as the Father speaks into his life, you know, you and I, he's got Isaac speaking into his life. You and I have got two great agents that speak into our life to direct us into God's blessing. One's the word of truth, the other one's the spirit of truth. And if you want a life of blessing, you're going to be in harmony with them. Because that's where God wants to to bless our life. And and what we need to remember is that the blessed life with Christ is not necessarily an easy life. I look at the blessings of of the the heroes of the faith, and I don't see their life as being easy. I don't think Moses' life was easy or David's. I don't think Jesus' life was easy or Paul's. But we are blessed because of who we are to Him. We are blessed because of who he is to us, we're blessed that he chooses to work in, 
to, with, and through our lives so that our lives matter beyond this life. And when it all ends, it just begins. We're a blessed people. I consider myself blessed. I deem myself blessed because of my spiritual condition, being redeemed, having the peace of God ruling in our hearts, having hope, having joy, having expectation. Blood-bought, born again, redeemed, and heaven-bound. It don't get any better. So he says, arise and go to Padaram, to the house of Bethuel. And that word, Bethuel, just like Bethel, in the Hebrew means the house of God. We're going to see that more as we go here. But he tells him to go find a wife out of the house of God. You know, I know we've already talked about this, okay? We saw the mistake that, that Abraham made when he took on the Egyptian servant Hagar, okay? That it's so important that, that, that this should be a stance, you know, when I got saved, I wanted somebody to do life with, okay? But there was, one, there was an area where I refused to compromise. And the Bible's very clear that we're not to be unevenly yoked. That means if you're a believer, you're not looking to marry an unbeliever. You're looking to be yoked up with someone that you can have common fellowship with, oneness with, where your priorities and your perspective would be in harmony, Okay? Now, I know some people get saved after they're already married and they have an unsafe spouse. You know, do all you can to win that soul. Their soul is your goal. But here he's telling them because he's a single man, you go to the house of God and that's where you, and of thy mother's father and take thee a wife from thence of the daughter of Laban, thy mother's brother. And look at, and God Almighty bless thee. God Almighty bless thee, make thee fruitful, multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people. This word here, God Almighty, is the Hebrew El Shaddai. All right? And this word El Shaddai, we already saw in Genesis, okay? It was introduced to us in Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 2, 1 and 2. It's how God revealed himself to Abraham. All right. Now, El Shaddai means the sufficient one, the all-sufficient one. He is power and he is provider. He is sustainer. He is nourisher. He protects me. He's the almighty. He's the overpowerer. Okay. That's how Abraham experienced El Shaddai. That's who he knew him to be. So now all of a sudden we see that that was passed into Isaac's life that got passed into Jacob's life. So Isaac was faithful to declare the testimonies of his father with his son. It's so important for us, church. Look, at it's so important for us not just to declare what God says to our children, but to declare who God is to our children. And, and we do that through our personal experiences. Do you know... You, that God wants us to know him as El Shaddai, that I saw God's power released and unleashed in this area of my life where I was in bondage, but I got set free by Jesus because he's an overpower. His power was greater than my addiction, my struggle, whatever it might be. Have you seen him as Jehovah Jireh in your life, the Lord your provider, Jehovah Shalom, that peace that passes understanding when you had this experience with God? These are the things that, that we can't just keep to ourselves, but we have to pass on to others that hopefully that will eventually become their experience also. We've seen a move in this church and be Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. I mean, how many people have received miraculous touches from God? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you see, you've got to pass that. You gotta, this is how I met God. This is how I experienced God. This is what he did in and through a situation. This is his faithfulness to me, and I'm sharing it with you so you can share it with others also. So Isaac, look at 
what if he dropped the ball there? What if he didn't introduce God in that way to Jacob? You know, I think it's so important for you and I that what's been entrusted in our lives, we would add to and we would pass on to the benefit of the next generation. You know why? Because they're going to go through a lot more than you and I. The generation right now, the Christian generation in this world is going through a lot more than I went through at their age. But you know what we have? We have a lot of testimonies of the faithfulness of God Almighty and who God Almighty is and what God Almighty says to sow into their lives. We get to sow into their lives that they might be able to experience Him in the same way. So He says, and I'm going to give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee, and thou may inherit the land wherein you're a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. Now, Jacob wouldn't see this because eventually Joshua would be the one that would take over this whole area. But you know what God's telling him here? God's telling him here, look, it's not yours yet, but it will be someday. And I look at that and I see how that was brought to fruition. It's almost prophetic that God would bring that to fruition, that they would get this promised land, that they take the land of Canaan. Right? And even with Israel in 70 AD, when they were dispersed, God said that he would regather them to their land. In 1948, they became a nation again. Nothing more than a full-blown miracle. Full-blown miracle. So what that tells me is that if God speaks it, he will bring it to pass. So we camp on this truth. It's not yours yet, but it will be someday. You're a stranger on the land. It doesn't belong to you. But you know what the Bible tells me? Blessed are they meek. Are the meek. We're going to inherit this earth. Don't you feel like a stranger here? I don't fit in there past the day. All this stuff, the, the movies, the music, the laws are passing. I'm not in agreement. My soul's not in sync with any of that. I'm a stranger in this land. I like that song we sung today. I can't wait to the day that mercy fills the streets. Blessed and holy is he who hath part in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power, and they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Not ours yet, but it will be. We're going to own D.C. at some point. <laughs> Got a lot of purging to do. Revelation 5.9, worship in heaven. He's made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Not just that we're going to be here, we're going to rule here. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Pandaram, unto Laban, son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau's mother. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Pandaram, Pandanaram, unto Laban, or uh, to take him away from thence, and that he'd blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob obeyed his father and mother. Okay, so <laughs> some stuff starting to work in Jacob. He actually obeyed, and, and he was gone to Pandanaram, and Esau saying that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father. Then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had, Mahalah, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, and the sister of Nabajoth to be his wife. So we see here, what, I, I don't know exactly what was going through Esau's mind, but you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to obey his father. He goes and he's going to go find, he's already married, but he's going to go find another wife and he's going to choose not to do it from Canaan, thinking that maybe he can bless his father. And, you know, what I see with that is, is Hebrews tells us this. Hebrews 12 tells us about this individual, Esau. It says that he was a fornicator and a profane person. That's what it says about him. He was a fornicator and a profane person. And it says that afterwards he would have inherited a blessing. He was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, so he sought it with tears. 
And what it means by that is the repentance that he was seeking wasn't to get his heart right with God. His repentance, he was broken, he couldn't get his blessing. That's what he was seeking was the blessing. So I I look at this and Esau reminds me of, of some people, and there might even be some people here today. People who want the fruits of Christianity without the root of Christianity. People who maybe want all the blessings that God has to offer them through a walk with Jesus Christ, the love, the peace, the joy in their lives. But you know what? The bottom line is, for anything to have fruit, it has to have root. Go in my backyard. Anything that has fruit, I'll guarantee you, it's got root. And if it doesn't have root, it doesn't have fruit. And a believer is called to be rooted and grounded in Christ. We cannot have any of the fruits of the Holy Spirit taking place in our life unless we have a true conversion and we've been born again of the Holy Spirit and we have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't have the fruit without the root, but if you got the root, you're going to have the fruit. And that's what Esau reminds me of. Some people just want the fruits of Christianity without the Christ of Christianity and they miss out on such richness. And it says here that and Jacob went out from Beersheba, and he went towards Haran. Now, he didn't know it, okay? Now, his mom told him, just go there for a few days, right? And uh, his few days would actually turn into 20 years, and he'd never see his mom again. That was the last time he'd ever seen or spoken to his mom. No post office, no email, no text, no Facebook, no FaceTime. You know, this is a long time ago. You know, we're over, we have a ton of communication right now, but, but that was it, man. So he wouldn't see her again. And it wasn't that he wouldn't see her again, but he wouldn't see her here again on this side of eternity. And it says, and he lighted upon a certain place. And, and we look at this certain place, and, and you're going to see this in the Scripture, but the certain place, I think, here with Jacob is a place of solitude. It's really a place of solitude, and one of the things that we need to recognize, because, you know, you go through seasons in life where maybe you're forced into lonely situations or you even feel lonely. But I can promise you this, that isolation can be a place of revelation. You can ask John, the apostle. He got put on the Isle of Patmos and he got the great revelation of God there, you know, the, the times God has spoken the deepest to me and penetrated my soul all have one common denominator. I was all by myself. And a lot of times God will remove the distractions from our life because there's something great that he wants to plant in our life for us to hold on to and never let go and, and, and to get us through the toughest of times and the hardest of times. That's what God wants in these times of isolation that we have. But what was, going to ha- what was going to happen here was this is going to be the beginning of some extraction in, in Jacob's life. You know, if you're honest with yourself, you kind of see things inside that you don't want there. And the wonderfulness of God is, is as much as you don't want it there, he doesn't want it there. And, and he wants to work in those areas and create situations, circumstances, even, even these times of solitude where, where he can actually remove it from our lives. And, and I think this is the beginning of extraction. I'm very thankful for extraction. A lot of times extraction comes with pain. Uh, but in my life, you know, my wife's life, we've had to have like moles extracted from us. Uh, hers was definitely cancer. Mine was precancerous because if you leave it in there, if these things don't get removed from you, extracted from you, you know what? It can actually bring 
destruction. It can actually bring death. So he's working in Jacob's life to deliver Jacob from Jacob. And that's what we're going to see. <laughs> Over the years, there's been a lot of delivering God's had to do in my life from Jeff. All right? So, so we see this going on here. So he's in a place of solitude, the beginning of extraction here. And, and, and the sun was set, and he took the stones that was that place and, and put them for his pillow and lay down in that place to sleep. So he needs a pillow. He picks a rock, you know? And, and I think about Jacob, you know, probably wasn't like the life he would have had at home if he just would have been an honest person, if he would have had any integrity in him. You know, he probably had a real nice place to sleep at home, and now he's out there, and he's got a rock for a pillow. You know, the Bible tells us the way the transgressor is hard. And I think God's really teaching this to him, but he's got to lay down at night. And I love Psalm 4 because Harley taught about prodigals last week, and I always think about this verse when I think about Someone who knows the truth, but is walking against the truth. People who are prodigal. Psalm 4, verse 4 says, When you are on a bed, on your bed, search your own heart and be silent. It's that time alone to really ponder, think, process life. And I believe that that's what's going on. So the way of the transgressor is hard, but God is faithful to meet the transgressor on his journey to transform the transgressor. And that's what we're going to see eventually happen in his life. So it says here that he dreamed a dream. All right? And behold, the ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached into the heaven. Behold, the angels of God ascended and descended on it. So he gives him a dream, right? The Bible tells us in Joel 2.28, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Old men dream dreams. Young men will see visions. So we recognize that dreams can have significance. I, I, I think... Some of them come, you know, in, in my life, you know, I've had tons of dreams over the years, but I can't assign all of them to God. Matter of fact, there's only three or four that, two that I knew that came from God, two more that might have come from God, you know. Some of them is just a, your mind going crazy when you're sleeping. I, I remember my, when I was about five years old, I had a dream, nobody was in the house. I went outside and... Uh, all of a sudden, it was clunk, 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 getting really louder. And, and then all of a sudden, the, the headless, headless horseman, man, he's running across my backyard, and you turn around, the door's locked, right? Typical thing, running around. You know, that has nothing to do with God. But God has given me a couple dreams, and both of my dreams have been warnings. God will do that. And I think sometimes when God sends you a dream, they're saturated with biblical integrity or imagery, and you don't forget them. You do not forget them. But we're going to see here that this is a dream given to him by God. And, and you know what we see here? We see a ladder, more really interpreted better, a stairway. Stairway to heaven. That ring a bell with any of you that grew up in the 70s or the 80s? Yeah, you're all humming it now. I stumbled everybody, right? So, so when I was young, you know, my, my, my mom used to take us to the house of guitars for school shopping, because we wanted to buy concert t-shirts of concert t-shirts that we didn't actually go to the concert, but they were cool t-shirts, you know. So this is obviously well before I was saved. And, and I remember finding a book there, and I was a big Led Zeppelin, you know, Stairway to Heaven, Led Zeppelin, Robert Plant. I was a big Led Zeppelin uh, uh, fan, but, but there was a book there called Led Zeppelin, the most satanic band in rock and roll history. That's what it said about Led Zeppelin. Now, the interesting thing here is we're looking at, you know, a stairway to heaven, right? And wouldn't you know it, 
my senior quote is Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven. And, and it's funny because the way Satan works, he's such a counterfeiter that, you know, you got your yearbook. Hey, what do you want to put for your senior quote? And, and I pulled, I extracted my senior quote from the song Stairway to Heaven. And it's just like the devil, man. He mixes truth and a lie, doesn't he? So the quote goes is this, yes, there are two paths you can go by. All right, true. There's two paths you can go by. But in the end, there's still time to change the road you're on. There's a lie, man. There is no more time. Jesus Christ could be back at any moment. If you're sitting here in this church today and you haven't made Christ your Lord and Savior, you need to know this today, that so many people are populating hell today because they procrastinated with the most important decision of their life to give their lives over to God, to turn from their sins and make Christ their Lord and Savior. You can't listen to the lie of the devil. I look at that, I can't even believe I put that quote in my yearbook, but, but, but that's what it was. So we see here these angels ascending and descending from heaven. So <clears throat> we're seeing here a glimpse into the spiritual realm that there is angelic involvement with our Father's oversight. Okay, Angelic involvement with our Father's oversight. Oversight. We've already seen in the book of Genesis, we've seen some angels, right? There was a couple of them after the fall. They, they were cherubs there to, to, to guard the, the way back into the Garden of Eden. There was a flaming sword with them. We already see that two angelic messengers came to rescue Lot. Hebrews tells us that their ministering spirit sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation, which means you and I get heaven's help along the way. And we're told not to be forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Okay? So, so we look at that, and you think about the scriptures. Now, I know the, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, you know, and it's not all about this, you know, angels making this hallmark thing between hearts or anything like that. Angels are ministers, and we see in the Bible that, that there's only a few of them mentioned by name. We've got Gabriel, who came with the messengers uh, from heaven. We've got Michael, who was the warrior angel, and we've got Lucifer, who was the fallen angel that actually took a third of the angelic realm with him, where we have demons and principalities and powers today. So, so as we look at those things, I, I always feel led to camp out on this truth so you don't ever forget that when you look at Lucifer, Lucifer was a created angel. Created by who? Jesus. They're at a different level. The opposite of Jesus Christ is not the devil. The opposite of Jesus isn't Lucifer. The opposite of Lucifer would be Michael the archangel. Okay? Jesus is way above them. He's a created individual. But the good news is here is that we may have entertained angels unaware. All right? Now, the book of Revelation tells us that Satan was able to draw a third of the angels with him. That's bad news. The good news is two-thirds stayed with God, and they're working on our behalf. The fallen angels are the ones that kept not their first estate. What we notice about angels is they're not omnipresent, only God is. It looks like they're commissioned, and then they return. They're commissioned, and then they return. So we see this here, that, that he's getting a look into the spiritual realm, recognizing that there's a spiritual war going on, that there's angels involved that are helping people along the way. 
And he says, behold, and behold, the Lord stood above it, okay? So not next to it, not on it, but above it. Some of your translations might say stood by Jacob. Either one's very comforting, but I look at it in the King James here is that he is supreme above everything else, his sovereignty, his glory, his almightiness, his El Shaddai. But we see here that I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest to thee, I will give it to thee and to thy seed. Now, there's an identical connection here. Even though one's on earth and one no longer is. Identical connection. He, do, he says, I am, not I was. I love that when, when God says that there. That's how he introduces himself. I'm the God of your, your father Abraham and the God of your, your father Isaac. The land where you lie to, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. So he, he says here that the land where I'm Elias to thee will I give it and to thy seed. Okay, obviously talking about the land of Israel. I love what, what Donald Barnhouse said. Donald Barnhouse said this about Israel. God chose and he needed this land. Israel. God chose and he needed this land because on this land a hole would be dug and a cross would be planted on which the Son of God would die for you and for me. That's why he needed that land. So a hole would be dug and a cross would be planted on which the Son of God would die. Where you and I would never have to doubt the love of God again. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, and the south. And in thee, and in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He didn't recognize it, but because through his lineage, through his genealogy, 1700 and 60 years later, Jesus would come. Jesus would come, and, and, and the reason that this nation, the reason you and I are so blessed today is because we have a Jewish Messiah that died on a cross for us. That's why we're blessed. All nations. And when I think about it, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is found in Revelation 7, verse 9, that, that there would be an innumerable multitude of all nations that would be in heaven, and they came out of the great tribulation. They came out of the great tribulation. An innumerable multitude of all nations. Why? Because God is doing a work to introduce himself to people across the world globally. That's our connection as a church. You go into other nations, man, there's language barrier, there's culture barrier, but there's no spiritual barrier in people who are saved in other countries that you come across. He says, and behold, I'm with thee. There's nothing like the companionship of God. I hope you're experiencing that. I hope you experience the companionship of God. You know, for me, I had to drive to Rochester every day alone, but not alone. You know, I had a small apartment on Main Street where I lived alone, but not alone. I went and spoke in Cuba back in 2014. They took me down all these different roads and put me in some, some apartment up on a roof somewhere, no phone, all alone, but not alone. You and I have the companionship of Jesus Christ in our lives. He says, I'm going to be present with you. Look, here's the bottom line. If you're a child of the living God, Jesus is with us. Whether you feel it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you see it or not, whether you sense it or not, that's the truth of the Bible. 
That we serve a God that promises, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I'm not going to let you sink, man. I'm going to be there for you to uphold you. Put your foot upon a rock. And, and Jacob awaked out of his sleep. And he said, surely the Lord's in this place. And I, I knew it not. Why didn't he know it? Because sin dulls our spiritual senses. Sin has the ability to dull our spiritual senses. So now, you know what we're seeing here? We're seeing that, that, that Jacob is getting experience. All right? Now, no longer for Jacob was this all secondhand information handed to me by mom and dad, which it should be. But I'll tell you what, if you want to pray for one another, pray, pray that you'd have a true experience with God. Pray that we would have an experience with God, that Old Paz Chapel, with Gilead School Disciple, that we would have an experience of God. Because when you have an experience with God, things change. Things change in here. So it's no longer secondhand information. Now it's firsthand experience. Remember, remember Job and his trial? At the end, his conclusion in the last chapter of the book of Job, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now my eye seeth thee. It's gone from academic to experiential. And that's what Paul said, you know, that, that with Christ I want to know him. That means to experience Jesus. And you find that in intimate personal worship. You find that in intimate personal prayer. You find that in intimate personal time in his word at his feet the way Mary did. Sitting at his feet hearing his word. That's where you find it. That's how God wants us to experience him. He wants to transcend beyond the academic into the experiential so that it would bring change in our lives and bless us. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful or how awesome is this place? This is none other but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. He says, this is the gate of heaven. The house of God is to tell people about the gate of heaven. You know, we have new people come here all the time, and I'm so thankful for that. But the bottom line is, if you walk in unsaved without Christ being your Lord and Savior, we're hoping that you'll encounter Jesus and you'll leave here saved. And then you'll come back and you'll grow with us. Because he says here that this is the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. I'm here to tell you today that the Bible tells us, Jesus himself tells us, enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be that go in thereat. There is a broad way to destruction, man. You know what's on that road? Religion, morality, good works, personal lordship, calling my own shots captain of my own ship. You name it. But he says this, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth to life and few there be that find it. And that way, in that gate is Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father but through me. He denounced any other way of making it to heaven. Look at, you're an eternal being. You're going to live forever somewhere, someday. It's either in the paradise of God or it's in the torments of hell. But it's your choice today. It's your choice today. You might sense a tug of war on your soul that you're resisting. That's not my persuasive speech. That's the Holy Spirit trying to draw you and offer you salvation, life, grace, the gate of heaven, the narrow way. But trust me, if you don't respond to Jesus, you will be accountable for the fact that you heard the truth and resisted the truth. Proverbs tells us that we are to ponder the path of our feet. Hashtag think about it. What direction are you going today in life? Who is truly your Lord and Savior? 
It says here that Jacob rose up early in the morning and he took the stones that he'd put for his pillows and he set it up for a pillar and he poured oil upon the top of it and he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city uh, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. So everything changes now, right? And Luz, think about this right now. Luz is separation. Luz means separation. This is an experience he had here. And at that time, I think there was a big separation in Jacob's life from God. All right? And you think about your own life. I remember for me, you know, Sunday mornings, man, I was recovering. I, w- I was, you know, it was about food, football, NASCAR, and laundry, man. That's what Sunday was about. But, you know, separated from God, separated from God's people, could have cared less. And, and then you meet Jesus, and, and, and Bethel literally means the house of God. And now we're accepted in the beloved. We're accepted in the beloved. The house of God, like he says here, is designed to be the, a connecting point. It's a connecting point, first vertically and then horizontally. I'm going to read you a scripture that you've heard over and over and over through the pandemic or whatever you call these last two years. I'm not even calling it a pandemic. The last two years. The house of God, Bethel, connecting point. We connect with God first, and we connect with one another second. That's what we're designed to do here in the house of God. Let us consider one another, provoke one another, love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the man of some is, but exhorting one another in so much more as you see the day approaching, not forsaking the assembling assembling. It doesn't say the attending. It says the assembling. Okay. When, when, when the kids were young, you know, I still got some young ones, but like I remember my kids went through the Lego phase, right? And you buy those stinking Legos, right? And I'm all pumped up, man. Found a good deal and maybe a Star Wars Lego or something. And then you know what happens? They open it up. They're all excited. And it's dead. Will you help me? And it's like, oh, didn't think that went out all the way. But, but what you would do is you would take all these things and you'd assemble them together. They were all part of an intricate pan to build something. So what that means is, is that we come here together as a church, and, and I love it. The greeting today was great, man. You guys were just rocking it today. But, but we, we come together to assemble together, to be a part of one another's life because we are the family of the living God. Okay, attending is not enough. It's good to attend, but we're not called to attend. We're called to assemble, to be one. And Ephesians tells us that the assembling together, really, we build ourselves up in the love of God. We each have a purpose. We each have giftings and callings upon our life. You know, this is not my call for my ministry. I'm just fulfilling my part of what it is here for our ministry. Let me go back to Genesis and we'll wind up here. So we plug into one another's life. We belong plugged into each other as a church. The early church, they, they fellowship. They were one together. It made them so strong. It made them so pure. They wept with one another. They rejoiced with one another. That's what we're called to do. That's what the family does together. And it also, while we're here, it really brings alignment to our lives the way that it did Asaph. You know, when he kind of lost his way a little bit until he came into the sanctuary of God. And then I understood the end, their end. I understood at the end, what matters? And it renewed him to live for eternity. And I hope that the word of God that goes forth in the house of God here to you, the people of God, you know, gives you the reminder of eternity, man. Live for eternity. What happened was Bethel. This is, 
the first experience we see here, and, and, and unfortunately what would happen with Bethel, which was the house of God would unfortunately become a high place known as a location for sacrificing to idols. And haven't we seen that across our nation, across our land, where things that, that once were gospel preaching facilities with men anointed by the Holy Ghost to exhort people to salvation in Christ and Christ alone. Now it's dead men or women now preaching dead messages to dead people. And the church has become a place of idol worship in some forms. By the grace of God, we're going to seek and stay to the old paths. That's why it's our name. I almost changed the name again years ago, but an anointed pastor who started Calvary in this, facil- in this area <laughs> exhorted pastors at a first luncheon I was at when I got with Calvary, stayed to the old paths. I said, all right, Lord, I heard you. So we are old paths. Wherein is the good way? Remaining flexible to the Holy Spirit, but anchored in Christ so we don't drift into apostasy. The house of God from separation to acceptance, from separation to connection, to connect with God, to connect with one another, to assemble ourselves together. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, God, if, if you will be with me, and will go with me in this way, then I will go. Some translations say since. And, I will, and you will give me bread and to eat and raiment to put on so that I might come again to my Father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I've set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou gives me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. So he's going to worship him through his giving, through his tithing. Um, and we conclude the chapter with Jacob. So we see here that, that now, now look at, I, I know that, that you got people that burden your heart because you love them and you want them to see, be saved. You know, and, and maybe they're scoundrels. You know, like Jacob. He'll catch and deceiver, manipulator. God pursues those people. And the proof of it is look around in here. <laughs> look what God's done for us. You know, I understand, you know, as Paul grew closer to Christ, you know, he became more aware of himself. I think he went from the least of the apostles um, to the chief of sinners. He went from the least of the apostles to wretched man that I am <laughs> to the chief of sinners. And you know what it does with that? You're like, man, I don't want to feel that bad about myself. No, no, no. It's not about feeling bad about yourself. It's about appreciating how wonderful Jesus and his attributes are. In spite of all that, recognizing myself to a greater degree, Lord, I'm loved. You show grace. You show mercy. Unconditional love in my life. We are the most blessed people that walk the planet, if you know Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the life that we have found in your Son, Lord, and we recognize that there is a, a narrow way and a broad way, Father. There's life and there's destruction. And if there's anybody that's wandered in here today, Lord, maybe you've just drawn them, they're searching, something's missing on the inside, circumstances of life just aren't lining up, don't make sense. But Lord, it's in those times that your goodness just reveals your great love. And like we spoke about Israel... You dug a hole to put a cross where your son would be impaled, where blood would be shed, so that we could know the forgiveness of sins. And I pray that we would yield a life of submission to that. So I pray, God, if there's anybody here that's not truly born again here today, 
that they wouldn't leave this place without getting saved. That they would invite you in to be their personal Lord and Savior and repent of their sins and experience your forgiveness, your love, and your presence in their life. Thank you, Lord, that you don't ever leave us and you don't forsake us. In failures, at times when we can be frustrating, that you love us too much to ever let us go. We rejoice in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we pray the Lord blesses your week this week. Uh, great week. Just to draw closer to Jesus, I mean, you know, not to be cliche, but the reality it needs to penetrate our souls is that we've never been closer to being with Him. And what a day that's going to be. We sing these songs, and, and I hope as we meditate on these truths and, and the songs that we worship, I mean, we should be homesick. I'm looking forward to getting home. But obviously, we've got a mission still ahead of us, so may we live faithful to Jesus this week. God, but if you need prayer about anything, if Christ isn't your Lord and Savior and you want Him to be, I mean, it's your eternity. Come on up. We'd love to pray with you. God bless you. Have a great day.